Welcome back to the Clear Out Podcast with your host, Matt Brooks. We are brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts, and uh, I'm trying to decide if I should address this now or at the end, but I feel like I should address the elephant in the room. Yeah, it's been um, it's been a couple weeks since our last episode. I'm looking at the feed right now, and uh, probably owe you guys an explanation. Um, I'm not like, I'm not great about talking about my personal life, really in any setting, but especially like on my public platform. Um, but this, it's been, um, my personal life has been a pretty big thing this season in ways that it really wasn't in past years where I just really was focusing on the season and focusing on making content. And that was kind of the, the full extent of what I, you know, I had little things pop up here and there. But this year, um, my personal life has been pretty big. Um, and, I've had a lot of people kind of reach out over the last couple of weeks being like, hey, where's the pods? Hey, where's the videos? So I figured I'd just kind of like address that here. Because um, again, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't really be able to, you know, create, like I wouldn't have this podcast without, um, I guess, the people that watch and listen to me. Uh, I, I wouldn't be able to do any of that without you guys. So I, I want to be kind of upfront about stuff. Um, 2022 has been a really tough year for me. Like probably the toughest year of my life. And that includes 2020, which obviously wasn't a great one. Um, I've just dealt with a lot of personal things, like a lot of personal things. And, um, you know, I, it really, it really, I mean, the whole year has been kind of not great, uh, but it really picked up early February. And this week is the first week that, you know, I've, I've kind of started to feel like I hear, are you ready for a term that no Nets fan is going to like? Ramping up back into uh, my basketball content, really, because I just, again, like I uh, I was really, 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 really out of it for a whole month. Um, you know, watching basketball wasn't giving me the same sense of relief that it normally does. Um, you know, uh, creating content wasn't giving me the same sense of fulfillment I think that it normally does and because of that I really scaled things back and I kind of just took time to myself and um you know I'm I'm this this week has been a really good week for me in terms of I'm starting to feel like you know I'm starting to feel like myself but also just feel like myself as a content creator again um so yeah I I can't go too much more into detail than that it's just um cuz like I don't know involves other people and that's not really like I don't know that's not my business to talk about but at the very least um I'll just I just want to put that out there um since I know people have been asking that yeah like this has been (laughs) it's been a little bit of a rough one for me this year personally but um I it's it's funny I it's a great week for me to try to scale back into things because I feel like the next season is finally starting um you know I'm we're what like one pretty much one day exactly removed from the Kyrie news, which kind of slowly trickled out throughout the week um, that he's now able to play in home games. Uh, He's eligible for what? I think they have nine games left right now. Um, So yeah, they have nine games based on what I'm looking at. So that's nice. Um, You're going to get a real runway of opportunity 
for Kyrie against some solid teams. You know, Miami, I mean, that he was always going to be eligible for that game. Milwaukee, that's another good one. Um, you know, those are the two main tests, but those are teams you want to play. I mean, those are possible first-round matchups, funny enough, um, depending on where the Nets finish out. You know, let's say they, I mean, if they win the play-in game, even if it's against Toronto, if they win, you're obviously, you're going to be in the seven seed. Right now, you're playing Milwaukee. Uh, if you lose that and then you beat the 9-10 team, which is what, is, is that Atlanta? I would assume it's Atlanta, right? Who they're also coincidentally playing this week. And they're playing Charlotte. There's another team that they might play in the play-in team, or the play-in tournament. Um, but yeah, so, you know, you're kind of gifted a, a world of opportunity to see what your team looks like against teams you're probably going to have to play against um, really throughout the play-in tournament and the first round. So, it's a weird. It's kind of weird how the schedule is shaping out that way, and giving the Nets a real opportunity to see how they fare. I guess. Um, but man, uh, the little bits and pieces that we've seen of Kyrie and KD have been, whew, they've been really encouraging. Um, you know, I, I, the numbers with them <clears throat> on and off. There, I think Michael uh, Michael Pena had this in his article this week about the Nets. I think they're what? They're the third best offense of all time um, with those two on. I believe, I think I have that stat right right now. Um, They have been dynamic with those guys and it's been a total pleasure to watch that and and see that. And, um, you know, we kind of know it. it's the same formula as last year where they're just going to try to outscore other teams. The defense has been okay. I do believe that they'll probably scale that up a little bit as the playoffs kind of roll in, but I don't look at this team and say this is a definitively better defensive roster than last year. Uh, like, I, you know, it's there. It's like, to be honest with you, their two best defenders are the exact same. Well, really three best defenders are the exact same three best defenders as last year. Um, where you have, you have KD, Nick is probably in the mix and then Bruce is in there somewhere. Like those are your three best defenders that hasn't changed from last year. So I think, you know, strategy-wise, in terms of, like, a macro sense, they're going to take down teams in the exact same way. Now, what they're doing with their offense is very different. Um, They've totally changed how much they attack and transition um, and and find open space in that way. Uh, The pick-and-roll... The pick-and-roll has now become more of, like, a secondary option where they'll run something and then they'll kind of, I guess, streamline into pick-and-roll versus with Harden in the fold, you're just running pick and roll every time and like trying to get the defense to help over or lean one way and you're going to read the corner shooter and if somebody rotates down from there, then you know you're going to hit the next guy one pass away. So um, they've shifted their offense a lot. There's a lot more KD post play, which uh, I like. I think it's solid. Um, I do think it welcomes double teams a lot. So that's going to be something that they have to um, navigate. I know my guy... Mark, um, who I've had on this podcast, has suggested that they use KD as a screener more, which would make sense because, you know, it's if you have a lead guard handling and you have KD screen, it's pretty tough to throw a double team at KD without leaving the ball handler open, either for a drive or a pull-up three. Um, that can be especially deadly if you have Kyrie handling and you have KD screening. Um, so I like that as a solution. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, they're they're still kind of working out the kinks in a way. I think we kind of know what they're going to do in terms of 
how they're going to run their offense and like where KD likes his spots. You know, you'll give him those uh, zipper screens, which are just those pin downs right next to the rim, or those more wide pin downs um, to get him open looks. Uh, they've been using him a, a lot off like Iverson cuts early, especially early in quarters. Um, so those are those cuts across two screens at the elbows. That gives him like pretty nice mid post position. So um, a lot of it's just to get KD in that mid range. And Kyrie, meanwhile, is just, I mean, I, <laughs> like that guy has been so unbelievably good since he's come back. And I posted the question online, um, online, what am I, 40 years old? I posted on Twitter, <laughs> uh, you know, kind of saying, where where does Kyrie rank now within point guards? Because I think you can look at, I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's super fair to Dame, but like, Let's be, Dame wasn't great this year. Harden's absolutely declined. Um, even Steph, I think, has experienced some decline in terms of his rim finishing, um, which I think in turn has hurt his three-point shooting to a degree. Because uh, he, I just, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think he's looked a little bit different in that category. Uh, he just hasn't been as spry in terms of getting shots up at the rim. So you, you think about all that and all those guys taking like varying degrees of a decline. Uh, and you have Kyrie, who I think is better than ever. I actually think that KD and Kyrie are both better than ever, and they're both fresh heading into the playoffs. Um, you know, I, 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 I mean, I think there's a, a you can make a case that Kyrie is number two in the league, and we'll see about how high I can go with this. I, I, I don't know. Well, we'll I, I don't think we have enough evidence to point to the fact that because one, Kyrie's very like barely playing, so of course he looks fresh every game. Uh, but two. I think we just need more evidence before we can be like, yeah, I don't know. I think there's a real case to be made between Kyrie and Steph. But I I don't think it's out of the question if Kyrie continues to play like this and, and Steph continues to play like he is. I don't think it's an unreasonable thing to ponder. It's, so it's pretty crazy. You have these two guys. KD is still looking uh, like really fresh after missing time with injury, which weirdly I think is going to work out in the Nets' favor Kyrie obviously has barely played this year. He's at what, like 20, 20-ish games? Um, and I just wouldn't want to play the Nets. And I, I look at this team and I, I get it. Like the continuity isn't there. You know, the uh, just the general, yeah, the, I mean, just the continuity is the big one for me. Um, like, but... Damn, like you got two guys. I think you have the best duo in the conference. I can make a case that Kyrie is I mean, how high can you go with Kyrie in this conference? Is he the fifth best player in the conference? Can you say it's KD, Giannis, Embiid, probably Tatum right now? And then Kyrie, like is he the fifth fifth best player in the conference? Then you're the Nets, you have the first and the fifth fifth best player in the conference. And just like historically looking at how these things play out, if you have the best players in the conference, I don't care where you finish. You're going to be in the mix. Like, I, So I've just, you know, as much as I've had questions about this team and are they able to get on the floor together, uh, do they have enough reps to really make this work, sometimes I just sit there and I dumb it down to like, hey, like these these guys have like two top 10 players in the league on their team and what I think is the best player in the league on their team. And maybe we're just overthinking this. Maybe we're, I get it. Boston's humming right now. They look amazing. Um, 
you know, they look great. I, 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 I can't fault you if you have Boston as the favorite in the conference. I probably do, if anything. Um, but, I mean, you look at this Nets team and you say, look, like, look at the teams that have come out of the conference in the past. I mean, there were certain, like, LeBron was a four seed one year with the Cavs and he made it all the way to the finals with, like, George Hill and Larry Nance. Like, you know, I at the end of the day, if you have the talent, I think you're going to win. I mean, you're just going to be, you're going to have the upper hand in most of these series. So I, I actually, I am kind of looking at the Nets and I'm wondering if they're the favorite in the conference. And I know that kind of goes against the common belief right now because Boston is just like, they have an identity, they're settled in. The Nets don't really have an identity yet, but they're so talented that I don't know if it matters in a way. Um, so yeah, I you know, that's that's what I've been sitting on this week. You know, I think that just the excitement of having the full squad back has allowed me to really picture where I see this team going because there were just so many hypotheticals this year. There was the hypothetical of, well, will Kyrie get vaccinated? Will he not? Will the mandate be lifted? Uh, is Harden going to come into sh- form? Like all these things. And now it's like, we kind of finally have the group. I mean, I get it. Like Simmons is a little bit of a wild card, but I think he's kind of a wild card regardless, if I'm being honest. Um, you know, you have this group now and, and you're able to take a look at them and yeah, I, I look at them and I say, I I feel pretty strong about this team. I really do. Really do. So it'll be fun to see who they get in the first round. Uh, you know, I, I think if they run into Boston and Milwaukee, that's tough. That's tough sledding. That's really tough because I think those two teams are the ones that you're like, we probably want to see them in round two. Because I just, you know what? Like, I do think there are going to be some growing pains. You also have the health questions, you know, what's what's Seth going to look like? Are they able to get Simmons back? Those questions are going to come up, but I do feel good about them. And even in those matchups, I'm sorry, you have Kevin Durant. I'm, I feel pretty good about this Nets team in pretty much any series right now. I know this from me. I'm usually pretty negative, but I'm looking at this Nets team right now. I've got a very um, glossy picture of what they can be. And, uh, I actually think, uh, in general, I might be more positive on the Nets than the fan base, which, like, never happens. But I am. I look at them. I just look at how things have run, and I get it. Like, the Memphis game that, you know, just happened, what was that, a day ago, two days ago? Um, you know, you kind of saw, like, the 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 growing pains of this squad um, where they, they have these two all-world talents. They don't get anything else, like, literally anything from their bench. <clears throat> the defense is a little spotty, I think. I, I think there were it was a little spotty in, in certain spots, and the physicality was a big deal. But still, um, damn, like you got those two guys playing the way they are. It's it's really tough to pick against them for me. Um, and that's without even mentioning like, so you look at like, uh, take this Nets team right now, and you look at them compared to some of those Heat teams, uh, the big three Heat teams, or even some of the Cavs teams where you have this guy that is arguably the best player in the league and the depth around them is pretty shoddy. I, I think the depth is pretty solid around this Nets team. You know, when, when everybody's there, when everybody's acclimated and fully in there. Now, granted, um, it's not evenly dispersed. It's a lot of small guards and a lot of centers, which was something we talked about actually on the last podcast that I did. So it's not like balanced. And I think it's made a lot of tough decisions for the coaching staff where you have like, four centers that should probably be playing and you're only able to play three of them at best. And when you play the fourth one, he looks awesome in Blake Griffin. So, um, 
I think that's a certain question, but still you have guys that can play and that's really what matters at the end of the day. You can figure out the positional needs when you need to figure them out. You also have KD who's like the ultimate band-aid to positional uh, hand-wringing, I guess. So yeah, I mean like, look, like Seth Curry, guy's shooting, I pulled this up. He's shooting 46% on three-pointers with zero dribbles. That's insane. It's nuts. He's been awesome. Um, that guy was a legitimate second option for a team that was in the second round last year. And, like, didn't really look out of his element doing that. Um, that's your second side guy. Um, you know, we. I mean, it's funny. Like, you look at how Patty Mills looked at the beginning of the year, you know, where he's... He looks dynamic next to these guys, and you've just found a way better version of that in Seth. It was a great move. Getting him was a great move. Um, I think I said it at the time when it happened. It was a great move, and it's been even better, I think, than all, a lot of us were even expecting, um, which we probably should have, you know. For anybody that watched the Sixers last year in the second round, like you should know Seth Curry can play. So he's been great. Um, the center rotation. Uh, Drummond has been really pleasant uh just a really pleasant I mean I don't don't even know if it's a surprise because he was good in Philly too but I have some stats pulled up the Nets defensive or offensive rebounding rate rises by 11.4 percent that's nuts that's within the 100th percentile in the league so he's basically I mean I I wish I had historical data on this because that that is a enormous number absolutely enormous number for context, when he was a Laker, the Lakers' offensive rebounding rate rose by 1.7%. That's in the 75th percentile. So think of percentiles on a number line. He's better than three-fourths of the centers in the league, just with plus 1.7 in offensive rebounding. This year, he's doing 11.4%. That's what the Nets are jumping up on offense. Defense, similar thing. Not quite as good, but way better at offensive rebounding. I think we know this. But their defensive rebounding rate rises by 3%. That's in the 85th percentile. That's really good. So this guy has completely shored up a weakness for the Nets that has just been there basically the entire 7-11 era. Like, it's, and that's amazing. Like, he, he has been absolutely what this team needs. Defensively, he's held his own. Um, you know, he had that big game, I think, against Embiid where he just... That was like a big body that the Nets have needed in that matchup forever. It's like we're not throwing out DeAndre Jordan anymore in this matchup. Like you actually have somebody that can handle that. I think, I mean, Giannis Giannis has punked him, I think, historically a little bit. But that might be your Giannis guy. I think you feel a little better about throwing Andre Drummond out there than like 36-year-old LaMarcus Aldridge. Like you just do. Um, And then you have Claxton, who... Yeah, I mean, I think this week has been pretty emblematic of the Claxton experience. He looks awesome against Utah. He takes this matchup with Gobert super personally. And then the next game, he's quiet, if not a minus, I would say. And that's okay. Like, that's your backup center. That's kind of which, you know, you're not going to get great games from him all the time. Uh, He'll be really essential in certain matchups. So take that Celtics matchup. That's your guy that if, hey, you know, if... Tatum is hunting down LaMarcus or I don't even, you know, actually brief side note. I don't, does LaMarcus even play that much in the playoffs? Everybody's worrying about Blake Griffin. 
um, and his minutes. I think there's a world where like LaMarcus isn't a huge fulcrum of the Nets offense or, de- or just rotation in general because of the defensive concerns, uh, which I think will become a real thing in the playoffs. And that might be how Blake starts playing. Anyways, again, like these are your third and fourth centers and that's the discussions we're having about. By the way, two Hall of Famers <laughs> that we're, we're arguing about who's going to take those spot minutes in the playoffs. It's it's nuts. Um, but Clax, yeah, I mean... You know, if you have a if if the Nets are playing the Celtics, let's say it happens in round one, which I'm personally rooting for. I think that'd be an awesome series. I think it goes seven. Um, you have that Tatum's maybe Tatum's taking the drum in matchup personally. He's getting him on switches. Well, then you throw Clax in there, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, all those sidestep threes, those little step backs that he takes, like you have a guy that's among the league's elites at contesting step back threes. I mean, Clax has been amazing at that since he came into the league. Contesting without fouling, um, you know, shortening airspace. Those are things that he's been really strong at. And that's your center rotation. And that's without, again, mentioning Blake Griffin, who, you know, he's kind of a junk it up guy now. That's that's who he's been since he entered Brooklyn. He's leaned into that even more this year with his three-point shot kind of falling off a cliff. Um, that's a guy you can throw in there just to annoy an opponent. <laughs> I mean, and that's a luxury. Um Teams have relied on those guys in the past. Uh, I'm trying to think of a good example. Maybe like a... Damn, I don't know. Uh, like a Boris Diaw, maybe? I don't know if that's a good comp. David West, maybe? For the Warriors? Maybe that's the good comp. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of your guy there. And you're throwing him in there. LaMarcus is good for pick and pops and not like not a ton else, but... That's another guy. That's your instant offense guy. If you're, I don't know, say you're, um, say you got Kyrie in there with a lineup, you don't feel like you're getting the scoring that you need, and, and teams are doubling him a bunch, which they have been. Um, that's your guy you can put in there. So, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I like, I, I just like how this team is starting to fill out. Um, schematically, I am really curious to see how the Nets navigate the. And it's going to be really crucial that they keep somebody like Seth Curry healthy. And God, if Patty Mills could ever <laughs> could ever find his footing again, pretty pretty worried about Patty. We've entered the 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 extreme worry stage where I just don't know. I just don't know if we're going to get the second win from Patty. Uh, this is a brief tangent. I'm going to get back to what I was saying. Um, I have like light notes today. I just sort of wanted to talk about the Nets because I haven't done that in a minute. Um, but yeah, Patty Mills, last year, I think I mentioned this on this pod, he similarly shot, he, I think he was around like 45% for the first couple months uh, in that shortened season, and then his legs kind of started getting heavy. The final two months, he was around what he's shooting right now. I know he's had a better march, but, um, you know, he, he just kind of, he, he had dead legs. It was, it was pretty evident in watching him play, and that continued into the play-in game. And it wasn't like he ever really got that second win. I think he had a couple good games at the end of the season last year. We'll see if that happens this year. But this year, like you're you're taking in the workload that he's taken on last year, which I I would I'm gonna say right now, like I think whether the NBA will admit it or not, whether players will admit it or not, I do think I mean look at how many first off how many injuries there are in the West, but also just like watch guys on certain nights. I do think there has been some attrition from those two condensed seasons that were kind of smacked into each other. And you're starting to see that a little bit um, this year. 
again, two shortened off seasons will do that. So, you know, you look at that, you look at somebody like Patty Mills, he's dealt with this condensed season into, you know, what, two months off? Well, he played in the Olympics, so not even. Um, you know, that's just a lot of basketball in a very short amount of time. So I don't know. I'm not sure if he's going to find his legs again. We'll see. Um, but anyways, you know, getting back to what I was saying about the schematic thing, um, I'm really curious to see how they navigate the minutes, the Nets navigate the minutes with just Kyrie or just KD. KD's been really good at beating double teams, and he's been seeing a lot of them. And I know he made it very clear on his podcast the difference between trapping and double teaming. Uh, he's seen a lot of double teams because guys have been um, helping off certain dudes in the post when, when he posts up. James Johnson, whenever he's on the floor, I feel like it's just inviting a double team for KD. Um, same thing goes for Kyrie, who's been getting trapped a lot in the pick and roll. I don't think he's been quite as good as KD. I'm not saying he can't like beat double teams or traps because he's obviously an incredible ball handler that can dribble himself out of just about anything. Um, but I do think that's where you see some of the limitations with his passing vision and just like in general, his stature, I think hurts him a little bit in those scenarios. So I'm curious to see how the Nets navigate that. I'm really, that's more of like a Kyrie point. I think KD has been really good at that. And he's just like, I actually, I don't know if he's ever been better, period, but I don't know if he's ever been better at navigating double teams and, and and navigating getting trapped when he's running pick and roll just because he has seen that so much this year. It really feels like he's at his best ever. So that's another one. I think last nine games, yeah, you want to have Kyrie and KD together. You probably want to use them together. Please have KD as a screener. I, <laughs> I think I, I actually, that was one of my first videos I did last year was uh was talking about the Kyrie KD pick and roll, which we've seen like three possessions of ever. <laughs> uh, and I think all of them were in the playoffs last year. But, uh, you know, I that, I think those solo minutes, I'm really curious to see what they do, who they put around them. Uh, when Seth gets healthy, that's a guy you probably want to see next to Kyrie. Um, if Cam could ever come out of this, this, this rookie wall is, I think, where we're at at this point. I think it's mostly just due to him not playing a ton. He's not, he's just had a tough time since Kyrie's come back, which I think was predictable and was always going to be the case with him. Um, where if you have another high usage guard that likes similar spots to him, that was going to be difficult. Um, speaking of gaps and double teaming and all this stuff, I just want to give a shout out to Bruce Brown. Obviously, this is what, like a month late to give him his flowers. <laughs> Um, cause he's been playing well for a while now, but I'm ramping up here. So <laughs> bear with me. Um, couple of things I've liked about Bruce. I actually feel like I have the most to say about Bruce right now. Cause Kyrie and KD have obviously been so exceptional at just scoring from wherever, uh, especially KD's three point shooting has looked really good as of recent. Um, but Bruce, man, I love how the Nets are empowering him and I wasn't sure if getting rid of Bembry for Bruce was going to pay off in a big way. Not because I didn't think Bruce was good, but I think Bembry was like such a nice gap filler for the Nets this year that it just was kind of inconceivable that, you know, they'd pick Bruce who was not having a good year over Bembry who was quantifiably awesome. And I, by the way, hope he gets well soon. Um, but that, that has proved to be the right decision. Things I've liked. Um, I love the way they are empowering him in transition. 
because he's he's a great rebounder for his size. And I'm just a huge fan of them having him dribble the ball up instead of being like, hey, KD, where you at? Let me get you the ball. Or hey, Kyrie, let me get you the ball because when you're attacking with a slight advantage in transition, you're either getting to the rim or hitting him behind the back and and pulling up for mid-range. I love that they're letting Bruce take advantage of the offense because the way they look at it is, A, if this guy has a full head of steam and he's got the advantage, he's going to the rim, he's going to draw fouls. He had a really good game in Utah doing that. I think he had a career high in free throws. Um, you know, I, I so I like that they're doing that. I also like that if he doesn't have the advantage, you can still find Kyrie or KD, but especially Kyrie, for like a dribble handoff. And that way, you're giving Kyrie also an advantage by having Bruce hand the ball off, set a screen, and all of a sudden it's Kyrie going downhill with a defense backpedaling. Um, that's also a great way to create advantages. And you're basically, I think quantifiably, getting the same general look for Kyrie in that scenario coming off a dribble handoff as you would get if he was attacking in transition where you have the defense retreating and he's yo-yoing the ball and, and making plays from there. So I, I like it. I, I, I just have thought that's been really smart. It's a great way to keep him engaged where he's not just setting screens and like rolling into a crowded paint, you know, where you have the help defender shaded over and you have even a guy helping on the strong side because you have two non-shooters in the corners and all of a sudden he's taking a floater with like three guys defending him. Like now he's now he's put in positions where he's seeing one defender in front of him. Sometimes zero defenders in front of him. So actually many times zero defenders in front of him, especially when, you know, like example, like KD posts up, you know, because Bruce is a non-shooter, defenses will help off of him. And now you're you're getting a really good reminder of just how good this guy was especially during that February, I think it was during February last year, um, at, at how good he is at just playing within the gaps and finding open space and finding windows of opportunity for himself to get to the floater, to get to the rim, to make those little dump-off reads, um, which he's been just so much better at this year. Um, I think Bruce's passing has taken a huge, huge leap, maybe more than any of his other skills. I think his spatial awareness just in general, in terms of being knowledgeable of where to be on the floor, has taken a leap. Part of that is that he's not just being used as a screener over and over. He's actually able to just like sort of sit in the lane in a way um, while, for example, KD posts up. But yeah, I, I just, I've, I've, liked, I've liked the fit for him a lot in a way that I wasn't sure what Bruce was going to look like without Harden, to be, completely, you know, to be completely honest with you just because his screening was so essential for this Nets team last year. He's been great. He's found his spots. He's found his little pockets. And he's made the right plays from there and just been a really awesome connective piece. And that's put into his defense. I think his defense has taken, you know, kind of an uptick again. He looked great at the beginning of the year. The hamstring injury happens. And I'd be really curious to hear if that if that affected him, at least from his stance, at any point this year. You know, especially when he was looking a little off, I think, before the All-Star break. But it's taken an uptick again. His screen navigation has been great. He's had some multi-block games recently, which is always fun from a guard. Um, it's been it's just been a delight to watch him. Um, it's just been a total delight. Last point, and I'm going to keep this short today, uh, but I, I want to hit on the main talking point 
Well, okay, other than like ob- the obvious Kyrie back thing. Um, <laughs> but the main talking point, the one I keep seeing right now is there's a lot of talk about Kessler Edwards, um, where he fits, how the Nets can add him to the roster. Is there a way to get rid of James Johnson? Who, oh man, this has been, I think Nets fans are experiencing <laughs> the James Johnson extravaganza. He had a really similar run in Dallas. He had a similar run last year also in New Orleans where he looked really good at the beginning. He was kind of humming. The dribble, the dribble handoffs were happening. He was playing well in transition. And then the wheels fall off a little bit. And it turns into a little bit too much James Johnson, a little bit too much of like, you know, it's James Johnson time. And... um and I think Nets fans are getting the full James Johnson experience. There's a reason he's been on so many teams, and there was a reason why I was a little skeptical of the signing. Granted, I thought he'd be really fun, and he was fun. He still is kind of fun in a weird way where you don't really know what you're getting from him night to night. His awesome nights are amazing, and his bad nights are like really brutal, as we saw against Memphis, where he takes a layup and it like hits the bottom of the backboard. Um, but... That that's that's the James Johnson experience. That's what that's you know they kind of signed up for. He's he's probably been placed in a bigger role than I think anybody was expecting. And you know now I think as we're settling into the playoff rotation, the obvious guy to replace him is is Simmons. But I think Kess Edwards has done. He's made a really strong case for himself. He's shooting forty six point two percent from three in March. Granted, it's on one point six attempts, so you'd like to see more. Um, in general, I think part of that is that the Nets are, you know, generating less three-point attempts without running a steady diet of pick and roll, where Kess honestly just thrived off that and thrived off, you know, Harden driving into the lane, even though Harden had a, an, he's obviously taken a decline in that efficiency and his ability to do that, you know, he would still force rotations and you know, that that would open it up for Kessler Edwards. But still, I mean, you want him to knock down the looks that he's getting. He's doing that. The defense has been good. He's still recording highlight blocks. I think he still has his rookie moments where it's a record scratch moment. And, you know, he he's put in a position where he's trying to contest. You know, I think he fouled a, I think it was, I want to say it was Jordan Clarkson. I don't know if that was a foul, though. Whatever. He still has his moments where he contests a little wildly. Uh, he'll get lost off ball on certain actions, especially if he shades help over, his man can, you know, kind of spread wide from three and he'll lose his guy on those rotations. But again, these are all like normal rookie things. Um, I, yeah, I, I'm, I would like to see him get a shot in the postseason. I just think the, like, in terms of like, I always look at these guys, like end of rotation guys is like ceiling basement in a way um, where I think, if you get him right and you have him in the right game, he really could swing a game for you in a way where I'm not sure what James Johnson is adding now. I just, they don't really need like ball handling help like that. And they already have Bruce Brown, to be completely honest with you, doing all the things that James Johnson was doing in the year where he's grabbing a rebound. He's pushing the pace. He's setting up dribble handoffs. You have Bruce doing that. And I think Bruce has just done a flat out better job recently. So I'm not sure what the utility is for JJ, but um, I, I see a lot of, I see a lot of, that makes a lot of sense. If it, and I understand why people are making that case. Um, and I do hope we get there. Um, otherwise 
generally just happy to see this team. And this, I'll close out on this. I'm happy to not have to talk about mandates anymore. Uh, this, this, uh, you know, on top of this being kind of a difficult year for me personally, really difficult year for me personally. Um, just having, um, having this season of coverage was tough. Um, I think I made my stance on vaccines and stuff pretty. I think I made it pretty clear where I stand, and I actually made it clear initially what I thought the right thing to do was, which I thought it was right for Kyrie to get vaccinated. Um, A, because, you know, I wanted him to help his team and, you know, help them, you know, not finish in the eighth seed, for example, but also just for protection for people around him. Um, You know, I, I felt like that was the right thing to do. I stand by that at the time, especially when we were in like the tail end of Delta, kind of what I felt. But I also, as time went on and the mandate was still there, uh, it was ridiculous that it was in place. And I'm just excited I don't have to, like, talk about that anymore and not have people, you know, at my throat <laughs> for non-basketball reasons. I can take the heat when it comes to, you know, I have a take about, I don't know, I don't even know what it would be, uh, whatever, <laughs> Some, who the Nets' third best player is. That's a, that's a boring, it's Seth Curry. Who the Nets' fourth best player is. Um... I think it's Bruce Brown right now, by the way. I don't know if that's a hot take. I think it is. Uh, I think I think that's who I'd go with. Um, but, you know, I can handle all that. But when it comes to, like, you know, discussions about things beyond basketball, it's just uh, it just was stressful. It was a stressful year. It really was. Um, and it was emotional. And it was, it was a tough season to cover. I'm not going to lie. It definitely weighed on me a lot. And I had a lot of moments where, um, you know, on top of sort of, having a difficult year again, um, just covering it was hard and it was stressful and it was, um, it was just, it was a little bit of a bumpy ride. So I'm excited we're out of that. I'm excited we are just kind of able to focus on this team and see it in its totality. That was the other hard part too, was just like not being able to really see this team and make evaluations from that was brutal because you just really never knew what they looked like, even less so than last year, which was so weird to see, um, you know, they only got, what, 10 games together last year. Somehow this year it felt like we got even less of them. We really did. We only got, like, one game with the big three in Chicago. And, you know, we were <laughs> – it wasn't like we could compare last year to this year because you have Harden playing at a, a level that I think was a, a decline. It was just – it was a weird year. So it's it feels fitting to be to be getting back into my normal rhythm in life along with the Nets figuring out – their normal rhythm as a team, it's it, it's very fitting for me right now, personally. And I'm just thrilled. I'm really excited to finish out this season. I'm excited to put out the best possible content I can put out. I'm excited to get ingrained into what's going to be a really fun, hopefully, couple of months, depending upon how deep this team goes. And I, I am really pulling for the Nets right now. I don't, I don't really root for them. I haven't really rooted for them probably since, like, the D'Angelo Russell 2019 team, but um, I'm kind of pulling for them right now. I think it'd be a fun story. Um, just having this lower seated team deal with all this stuff. Granted, a lot of it was self inflicted with the vaccine stuff, but um, you know, I, in a weird way, I am kind of pulling for the narrative in a way of just seeing a team with this low of a seed and this much drama this year be able to persevere. I'm excited, and I also I think I'm just I'm feeling very thankful to the uh, Nets community. So. Um, 
that I think also plays in a part of this. But yeah, that's all I got today. Um, this was fun. This felt good to uh, just record and talk. I'm going to do more in-depth pods soon. I know this wasn't my normal, like, you know, talk about specific sets. Um, I mean, I guess I talked about that a little bit. But, like, talk about, I don't know, specific numbers that I've liked. I, this was a little more narrative y And that's kind of how I've been thinking about the Nets recently. Because I feel like we're so close to the playoffs that's all I can focus on right now is narratives, and I, I, we just don't have much anecdotal data to go off of right now, so a lot of it is just sort of hypothesizing about what this team can be and where they can rank, and I feel really good. I think Nets, Nets fans should too. I, there's reason to believe that this team can go pretty deep. Um, I get that there's been a lot of turmoil leading up to it. I understand that the continuity's not there. It's just been a really rough, rocky season, but... You got two guys playing the way they are right now in KD and Kyrie at the freshness that they are. And man, man, I just have a tough time not thinking that this is going to go well this year. That's all I got, guys. If you enjoyed this, be sure to subscribe on your preferred, preferred, that was like Stewie Griffin right there, preferred, (laughs) um, preferred streaming platform. And uh, subscribe, subscribe for sure. I want to do a live stream next week thinking of doing that hooking it up to my twitter if you don't follow me there it's matt brooks nba i know i have some people that listen to this podcast from reddit uh if you have a twitter account go ahead and follow me um or or just stay tuned for that yeah i'm feeling a live stream i want to like answer some questions and just reconnect a little bit i think i just feel a little bit um out of the fold in a way so i want to reconnect with everybody and just you know um push my mind a little bit expand my thought about the Nets right now. But yeah, um, stay tuned for that. Uh, Otherwise, content will be coming soon. Videos, articles, you name it. I'm going to be doing a little bit of general NBA work in the next week or two. Uh, There's an article I've uh, been wanting to do for the last couple weeks, and I'm really sitting down, and I'm going to start hacking it out. So I'll have a general NBA article, but Nets stuff will be coming, and I will be, of course, covering the Nets day-to-day and watching them, and maybe I'll be clipping up a couple games as well. So again, stay tuned for all that. Thank you guys for listening, and I will talk to you guys next time. Stay safe, have a good weekend, and yeah, enjoy enjoy the weekend back-to-back. That's kind of fun. That'll be fun. Peace.